Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. Somehow, we have actually managed to procure a guest for today. So, everyone, please welcome Marcus, who is going to record with me, I Need No Name, as we talk about two major coaching, well, situations after this week. So, Marcus, first of all, tell me, how are you doing right now? Uh, hello, I Need No Name. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, doing okay. My uh, team in Sweden lost against um, yeah a, a game today, so uh, that's not great. But otherwise, doing pretty well. Okay, that's nice to hear. And of course, Bayern Munich did win 7-0 against BFL Bochum yesterday, which is pretty good. And we also did not lose to Manchester United, which is, well, good, but a lot less good than it could have been. And I think the main conversation topic that we have for today is the topic about Thomas Tuchel. So before we head into some of the weeds here, I have been doing a lot of these podcasts lately, so people probably know what I think. So Marcus, tell me what you think. What do you think mm-hmm. of Thomas Tuchel so far? And just tell me about Thomas Tuchel himself. No comparisons to Nagelsmann or previous coaches, just <laughs> the raw just idea of Thomas Tuchel as yeah, a Bayern yeah, yeah. coach. It's- yeah, sure. Leaving out the all the context around him sounds like a good idea. Um, yes. Well, t- to be honest, uh, I think um, I haven't been very impressed by Bayern under Thomas Tuchel. Um, so far, I think they've been quite lackluster, I would say. But yeah, I think um, there's still space to improve. I think uh, we, we should at least wait till November, October to, to kind of have like a, a final... Um, assessment well that doesn't work for me because as you might know i have made the prediction that thomas Tuchel is going to be gone by october and i have a little bit over a month for that prediction to either come true or me to be <laughs> labeled as a fraud for the rest of my life but um the thing is you say that you haven't been impressed can you exactly say why you haven't been impressed i think that's the most important part yeah yeah of course um i think that. Bayern has been a little bit slower, I guess. I think it's clear that Tuchel is a a more defensive coach um, than the likes of Flick or uh, Nagisman. And I think with time, I think Bayern have lost a little bit of their, you know, classical speed in their uh, in their play. Um, and I think because of that, I think like you have to compare it to to Nagisman's Bayern and see whether Tuchel has improved. And from so far, from what I see, like in in terms of playing style, Bayern are playing a bit slower, and it's it's at times, yeah, not really, yeah, doesn't have that wow factor, right? Um, so I think, yeah, with that, I think there's a lot to hopefully a lot to um, to ex- expect more from. But I think also, I mean, I, I'm not a I'm not a very uh, I kind of like defensive football, so I think it could also be good in the in the long term. Well, the thing is that. Like the way I see it, Tuchel is not necessarily playing defensive football in the sense that you would characterize it. Like he's not exactly going for an Italian style of play, is he? He's not. He seems to want Bayern Munich to control the game and sort of dominate games through possession and do that kind of thing. But there is something left wanting in terms of the intensity of the team and. There were these statistics about how long Bayern Munich took to win back the ball after losing possession. And in Tuchel's case, it was something like an average of like 14 
and sometimes even as high as 20 seconds after losing possession to win the active ball. Whereas under mm. coaches like Flick and Nagelsmann, it was often as low as like 10 or 12 seconds, even lower at times. I think that is one of the signs that Tuple Ball is fundamentally approaching the game from a very different perspective than the last two coaches who were, in terms of ideology, very similar, but in terms of execution were quite different. Tuchel, both his ideology and execution seems quite different to what we've been used to. I'm not sure that I like it, mainly because, like, as you said, the team looks a bit slower. The team doesn't look as intense, but also because, like, less speed and less intensity would be fine with me if the results were as good as they could be, like if he were winning every single game 2-0, 3-0, 4-0. But that is not the case. The case is that, like, we just won 7-0 against Bochum. So people are kind of gassing up Tuchel right now, saying he is seems to be figuring it out. But first of all, it is Bochum, right? It is not exactly the best team in the Bundesliga. And Bochum <laughs> all in respect. general, all due respect, exactly. And I get it, they did hold Dortmund to a draw, but who doesn't hold Dortmund to a draw? And the second <laughs> thing is that Bochum, they always lose 7-0 to us. That's like an annual occurrence at this point. So it doesn't necessarily say that many things about what Tuchel is doing, especially given that the game right before that was against Manchester United, where mm. Bayern did not play well. If you saw, I don't know if you saw the game or not, because... I, did, know, I did see the game, and, and oh, I thought, I mean... Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, um, I, I mean, I, I actually thought they did play quite okay. Um, it was just like I felt that there was um patches in the game that Bayern was by far the better team. Um, but yeah, they couldn't really dominate, you know, the full ninety minutes. But I thought it was quite a good game actually from from Bayern. I, I thought they could have it was... easily beat United with three, four For goals. Me, the way I saw the United game was like. Kind of like the Inter Milan games of last season where we were just a lot better than them in every area of the pitch. So it didn't really matter that the team as a whole wasn't really clicking because we were just like we were never in a situation where we were actually in danger of losing to United. You know, you, we were comfortable throughout even when the game was in it was 2-1 or even when the game was 4-3. It didn't feel like we were going to lose or draw that game. But... It was kind of, how should I say it? It was kind of disappointing to see a team that is so supremely talented going, well, going to a team like United. Actually, why did it say going to? It was at the Allianz Arena, wasn't it? It was at the Allianz Arena. So United came to us and they were in really shocking form heading into this. They, I saw the Brighton game that they played and they lost 3-1 and it wasn't even close. Brighton dominated them. And to compare that to what Bayern Munich did, it was very sloppy. We kept on giving them chances to like shoot at our goal. They got three goals, which is absolutely ridiculous. And like in general, like it's not the kind of game that really inspires confidence that when Tupo is going to face up against those bigger teams in the Champions League teams, much, 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 much better than Manchester United, that he is going to figure things out because at this point, we cannot really say that Tuko is a new coach anymore. He has had plenty of time with the squad. It may be early in the season, but he did get his big transfers in. And the results still aren't necessarily there. The game before that against Bayer Leverkusen, we saw what happened. It could have easily been a win for Leverkusen. Though, admittedly, Bayern Munich did get more chances and did have more XG. 
it was not necessarily a dominant or even an extremely solid performance. It was very cagey from them, given that Leverkusen have far less talent. So what I'm essentially trying to get at in this roundabout way is that Tuchel has a very talented squad and he does not seem to be getting the most out of it. And that's the most, well, what can I say? I, it's the most consistent narrative in the Tuchel era so far. I want to mm-hmm. know if you agree with that. Um. Yeah, well, I think to an extent, right, I agree with you. I think, yes, um, Bayern should be a little bit better uh, under Tuchel than they've actually been so far in terms of playing style. I mean, in terms of results, Bayern are, you know, doing quite well. But I do agree that, like, they haven't looked fantastic um, this season. However, I think definitely there is uh, space to improve. And I think that, like, with time, I think Tuchel might still... Uh, be quite successful for Bayern. Um, I think that is something you would disagree with. <laughs> with um, well, but <laughs> how much more time? That is my question, really. Uh, yeah, well, at least to December. I mean, the thing is, right, like if the results are uh, good, right, I, I don't really see a reason to fire him. But especially, like, who's going to replace him? If, like, for example, you um, Tuchel gets fired tomorrow and uh, you are the new... You're responsible for hiring a new coach. I need no name. Uh, who would you hire? Uh, Zabi. Zabi Alonso. He's a Leverkusen. He, he doesn't want to leave. Yeah. No one wants to leave until Bayern Munich comes knocking. Then they say bye. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I think like in terms of like free agents, right? Um, Anti-flick. Flick, yeah. Flick maybe. Yeah. It's, it's very simple. I have these answers written down. Okay. So you can't get me with these answers. It's It's very simple. <laughs> Now, the thing is that whether or not Flick would be a good coach for Bayern Munich in its current form is a totally different conversation, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that the question of whether or not Tuchel should be sacked is independent of the question of whether, who should replace him. You know, I think that those questions are totally separate and you should not be like co-mingling those two answers because... In effect, I believe that Bayern Munich can more or less get any coach they set their sights on and it should not be a problem. And if worse comes to worse, we can just go back and hire Flick, who probably will be looking to repair his reputation as after that horrible Germany stint. The reason mm-hmm. I'm asking this also, by the way, and it's not just because of my, well, my prediction about Tuchel, but it's also because there have been certain rumors coming out mainly from build but the thing is when build reports something it generally is at least it has some kind of modicum of truth to it when it comes to Bayern Munich that Tuchel is making some enemies in the dressing room and this tends to be the prelude to some you know at least with previous coaches it has been the precursor to a sacking so the main player involved right now that we have heard about is Delict, who Tuchel is apparently not a fan of and the second player that Tuchel mentioned explicitly in his press conference, he said that Nusser Matraoui is definitely behind Conrad Leimer in the pecking order. Now, I have my own opinions on this. And in fact, I mentioned it in our last podcast, which I did solo, I think. So, Marcus, you tell me, do you think that as Tuchel continues, like he already had this agenda against Goretzka and Kimmich earlier in the season, and he's kind of had to drop it with their performances and how necessary they are to the lineup. With Dilek and Masrai, what do you think is going on with Tuchel and 
his squad because it feels like every other month or week we see Tupel having issues with some aspect of his team. Uh, I mean, I have no idea what happens behind the curtains, so to say. I suppose that Tuchel has a reputation for often clashing, uh, mainly with the board, but I think also players back in uh, in Chelsea and uh, PSG. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bit of, you know, like a clash of characters in the dressing room. I don't necessarily think that's always a bad case. Um, obviously, it's not good when uh, the likes of Sadio Mane punches uh, Leroy Sane, but I think at sometimes... I think this like character clashes could be actually quite beneficial for a uh, dressing room. But no, I mean, obviously, if it is really toxic, then uh, that is something that the Bayern board have to figure out. However, I mean, considering uh, considering that Nagasman was was fired this year, I think they really should be sticking, you know, with the coach now. They 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 made their bed, so to say, with Tuchel, and I think they should really stick through it because, sure enough. Um, you know, always hiring and firing coaches, it can't be really good for, for a squad, right? For like a squad cohesion. So that, that's my, I think that's my long answer to uh, to, you, to your question. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to answer those with my own questions, which is, first of all, why does sacking Nagelsmann in this year, in this calendar year, preclude buying Munich from sacking Tuchel as well? And second is that, why do you think that, Changing coaches regularly is bad for squad cohesion. As far as I can tell, some of the most successful teams in the last 10 years, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid and Chelsea, they have made essentially their whole philosophy around sacking coaches when the results dip and then letting the new coach figure it out. And for me, I yeah. think that, is, that should be the model to follow because as far as I'm concerned, the squad is good. And if the coach can't get results from it, then change the coach. The coach is at fault. Yeah, I I guess like our football philosophy here is a a bit different, right? I think yeah. to be able to like really create a great team, you know, the likes of Man uh, Manchester City now under Pep. Um, I think Zidane you need a was billion quite... euros. <laughs> but like Bayern has it, no? Uh, Real we do Madrid not have it. that much money. No, please, come on. But I think, well, like, fine. You need a lot of money, and like I'm not, you know, defending City's uh, transfer. You know they are they are crooks and they have cheated, but I think like Pep Guardiola is like the reason why they're so good. I mean, look at United and for not example. The they, uh, yeah, no, exactly. It, it is for sure Pep Guardiola because like United has spent as much money. Chelsea spent. What, what about like, two... Liverpool? Look at them. Liverpool, they have exactly. the probably the best coach in the business, in my opinion, at least. Absolutely. Yeah. And they are nowhere near City right now. And why is that? They have not refreshed their squad properly since 2019 and why is that they do not have the same resources as a team yeah, like manchester yeah. city right so no, in the end true. it that's does true. come back down to money doesn't it uh yeah i suppose but i think like that i mean look money for sure rules um but i think like liverpool is a good example too you know like over a good example of like having a coach long term and like you know following that coach's kind of philosophy is in the long term it can be proven to be very successful you know that being said, like I do understand what you're saying too. Bayern Munich has hasn't really been that club, you know, uh, at least not in the 21st century. But I, I think like that's where I kind of like just disagree, right? I think like just like constant hiring and firing coaches. I don't really see how that could be purely beneficial, you know. I think it's beneficial in different cases because if you think about like Liverpool, 
okay, when they hired Klopp, what situation were they in? They were like completely all at sea. Their squad was a mess. They had just hired Brendan Rodgers and then fired him because like he was a complete and total failure. And they didn't know where to go. So they needed Klopp to not only come in and oversee a complete rebuild, but they also needed like to do something to arrest the slide. Because at that point, like genuinely when Liverpool, when Klopp went to Liverpool, there was a little bit of surprise because Liverpool back then and compared to the Liverpool we have now, they were not a contender. They were really bad. And Klopp, it took him a lot of work and it took him a long time. But eventually he got them to the point where they were in the Champions League final and then they won it. And they also won the Premier League against Pep City, which was a momentous achievement given how dominant we know Pep Guardiola can be in a league setting. The point is that Liverpool did that and they were so successful at it because they started from such a low position. They did not have the right players. They did not have the right squad. They did not have a culture of winning things that therefore Klopp would come in and change everything and make it follow him and build everything from the ground up. Compare that to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, everything is already set. The team is already world-class. Some of the best players in the world at their positions play at Bayern Munich. So a coach cannot be expected to come in and start a project here, in my opinion, because the project is already underway. In fact, it is at its closing stages. What is the goal at Bayern Munich right now? The goal is to win right now. So if a coach cannot come in here and win now, then what are they doing? They are not here to make a project happen. And I think that's the... I think the idea of a project being successful at Bayern Munich was kind of dashed with Nagelsmann himself. Because look at what happened with him. In the end, he ended up being judged on short-term results. Why? Because that is what Bayern Munich needs. That is what Bayern Munich wants. Despite giving him that long five-year contract, it was always going to be a struggle for Nagelsmann to make sure that he can keep his team winning in the meantime. And Tuchel, again, I think... I think, and one thing I'll just mention is that compared to Nagelsmann, Tuchel, he was only hired on a two and a half year contract. So sacking him would be far, far, far less expensive than sacking some of our previous coaches, coaches like Ancelotti or Kovac or Nagelsmann, you know? So I think that should be kept in mind. I don't necessarily think that Bayern Munich has put all its eggs in one basket with regard to Tuchel. I think they have left themselves enough leeway to change coaches if they need to, if they see the reason to do it. And I think the reason above all else is because Bayern Munich need to win now. We are not a team that is looking for a project right now. No, I mean, I agree that the, I, I mean, at, at Bayern, like Real Madrid and the likes, it's always about winning first and foremost. Yes. But, I mean, I you can build the project, you know, but also have that goal in mind, right? Um, can you? I, I mean, yeah, I think so, no? For sure. Well, you uh, other than other than Manchester City under Pep Guardiola, and I'm mm. excluding them on purpose because of their massive financial advantage due to yeah. actual cheating and breaking of FFP. Aside mm. from that, can you tell me an instance of like a long term project that also kept winning in the meantime? Because even Klopp's Liverpool, it took them a while to keep winning, and then they stopped winning more recently. Like the peak Liverpool was like two years at most. So just look yeah. at that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I use the same coach, but, you know, Pep under Barcelona, right? Um, Zidane under Real Madrid, he won three times in a row. Uh, that was a bit of a project as well. 
I think I mean was it a project? Look, because what, what would you it? would you characterize that as a project? Because to me, it seems like he inherited the team and just kept it winning. Think about it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah I guess like that. It really depends on what's the definition of a project, right? Van Gaal under Bayern, I thought was quite well too. Uh, that was a definitely was project. that a project? It was here for like I think one and a half to two years or something, two and a half years. Mangal oh, like Mangal has so like helped Bayern so much because yes. he was really Van Hal. Yes, I agree with that. But Van Hal is the bedrock of the philosophy that Bayern Munich and arguably Germany exactly. as well uses right now. But exactly. like it wasn't necessarily his project, right? It was a club's project, and I think that's part of what the point I'm trying to make here is that the club already has a project underway and the fruits of those projects is players like for example Jamal Muziala or Alfonso Davies young players with extremely high ceilings who are also arguably world-class already and were brought in and already shaped by coaches before Tuchel that is the project that he's inheriting and his job is not necessarily to shape this but rather to make sure that this project in its in a sense keeps humming along mm. players like mm. Leon Goretzka Joshua Kimmich established long-term stars and also on top of that he got the one signing that he really wanted that was Harry Kane which is a global superstar the second best striker in the world in my opinion so why would you after? argue that after Erling Haaland <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, Holland is a freak. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, my yeah. goodness, that uh, guy is just ridiculous. But look, Harry King, excellent striker. I, I, I'm absolutely, extremely pleased with what he's doing. And Tuchel got him right. So, what more does he need? Why does he need, like, why does he need a project from you? Why does he need two or three more months and several more transfer windows or this or that? Why does he need that? You tell me, why can't he start winning Perform directly uh, right now? No, I mean, without having to look, I mean, I think it's clear that like sometimes it just takes a bit of time for coaches. And I am of the opinion that, you know, it's uh, it's better to stick out with a coach rather than, um, than firing him and hoping that the replacements will do anything better. Um, but that being said, yes, it has worked for Bayern. But I think... I think now also like with the context, right, of like everything that's happened around Munich and all the turbulence here and there, uh, FC Hollywood in a nutshell, really. I think it would be good if like, yeah, at least till 2024, if Bayern could like, you know, have a stable kind of uh, leadership. Um, but that being said, I mean, I need a name. I, I haven't really been super impressed by Tuchel uh, so far either, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if his team kind of you know melts together better uh, over the the remaining months of 2023, what what gives you the uh, optimism to say that? <laughs> um, I think just like I was kind. I mean, like we have a different opinion on the United game, but I thought Bayern played mm. well there. Yes, agree that uh, Leverkusen actually played better than Bayern. Um, but that I think really Leverkusen is really good this year. Uh, I think they, you know, they will be a title contender. I think they will do really well in the Europa League. Um, and now, now under, I mean, yes, Bochum, all the respect, it's not the best team, but you know, it was also a a step in the right direction, right? So I think like, and also like, it's an art, you know, to to play to play not great and still win. Uh, that's also like a boon. That's so maybe... well. The thing is that that's fine if you do it sometimes right if you're doing it almost like 80 percent of the games you play 
I think that's a problem because at some point you'll face a team like City or Real Madrid who are the teams that Bayern Munich wants to beat if they want to win the Champions League. Right. If you face those teams, it's not going to cut it to be not great and still win. Realistically, I think we both can agree that Bayern Munich will probably win the Bundesliga regardless of what Tuchel does. I think we can agree on that. We are not pretending anymore that there is competition, serious competition in the Bundesliga. Uh, Teams are good. Leipzig and Leverkusen look good. I will admit that. They look good, but they're not going to, in my opinion, they're not going to hold up over the course of a long season. Only Bayern Munich has that capability. Even despite all our problems this season, we are still top of the table. So what does that tell you? So the way I see it, the way I see it is that if you're not hitting the potential peak of the squad, then we're just wasting our time, really. We just it, good enough. There is the this level at which Bayern Munich judges something to be good enough is where Bayern Munich is the best team in the world. And if it's not that, then there is no point. There is no point in hanging on to someone there. And that's the reason I think that Nagelsmann arguably was sacked because he kept on holding his team back from his potential. Now, that is completely irrelevant to the idea that Tupo has been good or not. He has not. But that is also a factor, in my opinion, in Nagelsmann's sacking. And also, I just want to mention that there is a pretty major game coming up next week against RB Leipzig. Do you think that Tuchel's... you think that if Tuchel, say, for example, he started the season with a loss to RB Leipzig, pretty bad loss to, mm. uh, in 3-0 and Munich... If he loses to RB Leipzig next, do you think your opinion on Tuchel will change? Uh, maybe, maybe. And I, I mean, like, I, I also do want to stress that, like, I, I don't, I don't really want to defend Tuchel because I haven't been too impressed either. It's just like I think I'm less trigger happy in the in the use of uh, firing coaches than you are. <laughs> yeah, but, I, uh, I advocate firing coaches every two months. It would be nice, nice change of pace. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but you're right in the sense that it's the biggest test of the season, I think, uh, next week against uh, away against Leipzig. Um, listen, if Bayern loses 4-0, then I think at least there is uh, there should be serious talks of um, trying to see if Tuchel is uh, good enough. Um, I, I guess the main thing why why I'm like a bit optimistic is because I thought the start of this season has been a lot better than the end to last season because I thought Bayern under Tuchel uh, at the end of the 2022-23 season was really bad and now it's, you know, it's decent, right? So I think that's why I'm my... So my you're optimism. seeing the trend going up essentially yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah. okay okay that's that's very funny given that we have not necessarily been challenged much this season i thought man united would challenge us but they are in a slump that is even worse than ours so why am i saying even worse they are in a legitimate slump they're not anywhere near us and that was kind of disappointing to me because i think that necessarily i thought the teams that would really challenge behind this season they did not really show up only leverkusen did and they did take a draw from us and Leipzig did beat us. So the trend in terms of just the big games, not very promising so far. So I would say that if next week Tuchel fails to beat RB Leipzig, not even loses, just fails to beat, I think that Bayern Munich should consider a change in this upcoming, this month's October international break and go with either Flick or Zabi because as you know, um, the break is coming up. That is why I keep saying October. International, these international breaks are the ones where the coaches get sacked. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, a draw against Leipzig is not horrible, is it? It's not horrible, but it is, like, it's not a sign of progress. And there's only so many games in the season that you can draw or lose or afford to draw and lose before you get to the big games. And at some point, those become must-wins, you know? I would prefer to sack the coach before the must-win games show up. In fact, this this was my argument last season, that I wasn't upset that Nagelsmann was sacked. I was upset that Nagelsmann was sacked too late. In my opinion, he should have been sacked in the first half of last season rather than so late in the second half because he had far worse results earlier in the season than so far in when we had only the quarterfinals of the Champions League left. That that was the wrong decision in my opinion, that they pulled the trigger too late rather than too early. And I think the lesson should be learned from that, although probably not the lesson that you probably want the team to learn. No, I think the lesson should be that we shouldn't, Bayern shouldn't uh, fire coaches willy-nilly because I, I definitely did not agree with the Nagelsmann sacking, but that's a, that's another debate. That's, another, that's a topic that <laughs> we have actually talked about. If you go out, go yeah. back and listen to my podcast with Schnitzel, where Schnitzel was very upset and I was like, you know, maybe this will work out and maybe it won't, but it didn't, but it still <laughs> has a chance of working out. And, that's, and, and I stand by that. The thing is, like, I think that we can conclude this by saying that we are neither of us are very impressed by Tupol. And the amount to which we think that's a problem depends on what your expectation of what Bayern Munich should be. If you think that Bayern Munich should just be winning every game, regardless of everything around it, then you should probably agree with me and say that Tupol should go because he's not necessarily getting what's most out of the squad. But if you believe in the potential of a coach and a team to slowly understand each other and then get better, then maybe you are more on Marcus's side and maybe you're thinking that perhaps Tuchel will learn his lessons and, you know, improve the squad. That just leaves one major conversation topic, which is what can Tuchel, based on what we've seen so far, what can he do to improve the team? Uh, yeah, that's a good good question. I, I wouldn't, I don't think I have the answers for you tactically, but... I think I think these last three games have you know somewhat looked better and better. He didn't get his number six in the end, um, which I think was a bit of a I think that was a shame actually for Bayern, considering that I think it was a bit of like um I mean Harry Kane was the dream signing, wasn't it? And then they spent so so much time trying to get him, and then obviously didn't you know they didn't have too much uh, time to sign Paulinha um, and uh, and a right back too. Uh, but what can Tuchel improve? Uh, I, I will ask the, the same question to you. Maybe you have the answers. I need no name. Well, I, well, well, my answer is always the same, which is what, what, start Thomas Muller. <laughs> Thomas Muller behind Harry Kane. That's number one. Number okay. two, Jamal Muziala on the left. Okay, mm-hmm. that's number two. And mm-hmm. number three, pass the ball to Harry Kane. My God, like <sighs> passing the ball to Harry Kane has been the number one problem for Thomas Tuchel's spine. And we saw... What could change if the team is set up more to just give him some more passing opportunities? Now, granted, Bochum left a lot of space on the pitch to exploit. They had a high press against Bayern Munich. And when you do that without a billion euro squad, that's what happens. You get pumped 7-0. But Bochum left space and the teams, the players like Sané and Coman and Chupo, they were trying to genuinely find Harry Kane in space. And what did we get? We got a hat trick and two assists from him. So that is the potential of Harry Kane if he's genuinely allowed to, you know, influence the game as much as he should. 
Therefore, that is, I think, the most critical thing that Tuchel must improve. He must get Harry Kane involved more. And I think the best way to do that would be Boziala on the left and, well, Thomas Muller, where he usually plays. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Good t- tactician knowledge there. <laughs> uh-huh. So you sound like you disagree. Uh, no, I think I think not. I think all of those things make sense. Um I actually thought Musiala was great in the middle uh, against uh, against Man United, um, and I I mean I know you are a, a, f- a fan of always playing Müller, but I do think it's considering his age. I do think it's smart if he if he sits you know on the bench against the likes of Bochum here, for example. You know, I think that's fair, and I, that's why I didn't really say much when he didn't play against Bochum because it's not necessary right at this stage of his career for him to play against Bochum. But I I was a bit annoyed that he didn't play against Man United because I think that Musiala on the left plus Muller centrally is possibly the best combination that Bayern Munich can get away with right now. I think that is the best we can do. And I think by Tuchel has actually hinted at it by saying that Musiala and Muller can play together on the pitch. Now the question is when will he implement it? And I think that's the main question with anything that Tuchel does, that when will he implement the stuff that he talks about? He talks about he talks a big game about wanting to bind to play fast football and not concede goals and this and that. But when are we going to see any results on the pitch? Because that's what we are really waiting for, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, this week uh, against Leipzig. <laughs> Maybe. I would not, I wouldn't hold my breath, to be perfectly honest with you. No, I think uh, it'll be a tough game for sure. I mean, Bayern always has a chance to to leave with three points, like they do in any game. Uh, but Leipzig is looking quite good, even though they um, they struggled a little bit uh, this weekend against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. But really, any, everyone kind of struggles against Borussia Mönchengladbach at home. So even though but they, they have a great I, I feel like Borussia Mönchengladbach loses to everyone except Bayern Munich. They even lost to Bayern Munich this season. So uh, I think they're they're done. They're cooked. They are. Yeah, I think it's so well, we're really digressing now, but now we are. So (laughs) do you want to move on to our next topic? Sure, let's do it. Okay. So as you might know, Germany have a new coach and Bayern Munich practically paid for it because Julian Nagelsmann is coach of Germany. Bayern Munich had to pay a certain fee for to make up the difference of the pay cut that Nagelsmann is taking to join Germany is a short contract, only around 10 months. After the Euros, it is thought that Germany will go after a different long-term coach, possibly Jurgen Klopp, which is a very interesting idea. Now, I think that Julian Nagelsmann is the right guy for the job. Okay, but I also thought that about Bayern Munich and I eventually turned against him. So, Marcus, you give me your opinion about what you think of this hiring. And also, what do you think about Bayern Munich's role in this? Do you think it is fair for the club to make this many sacrifices for the national team? If you remember, Flick was also allowed to go to Germany without any kind of transfer fee being paid. And Germany still owe Bayern Munich that friendly that they said they would play. So what do you think of this, this entire thing? Yeah, uh, let me start with answering uh, Bayern Munich's friendly can we say that attitude yeah. towards the German national team? I think it's just, I think that's fine because, I mean, I know you're not from Europe, but like, you know, international football here in Europe is huge, right? So I think mm-hmm. like, because Bayern 
obviously are consisted and run by a German fans really they I mean they want to make the sacrifice for their German national team and I think it's kind of it's a good look I actually think I think it's a good look that the Bayern cares about you know the national team how Nagelsmann will do I I don't expect him to to be at the job for past you know summer 2024 I think he's he's only taken this uh job because of uh, Flick being fired and I don't think he will uh, stay very long um I First of all, I think it's really brave from Nagelsmann. I think it's uh, obviously Germany has struggled for a while now, and that he, you know, he takes off, he takes a hot seat, so to say, after after all that happened in Munich. I think it's a really brave move from uh, from Julian Nagelsmann. I think it's good for Germany, considering that you know Nagelsmann is a proven, you know, very good, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, tactician. He will bring in some new ideas, uh, and I think you know. I think it's a, a step in the right direction. However, is he, you know, will he, you know, motivate his team enough to kind of pull off a surprise Euro victory? I'm not sure. I think it's obviously it's tough, you know, considering you have a, a lot of other good national teams. Um, but I think all in all, I think it's, it's it's it does sound like a good idea. And Nagisman doesn't, I guess, doesn't have too much to lose, I guess. I mean, like if Germany like reaches the semifinals, for example, now this summer in 2024, I think that will be viewed as a success, right? Um, yeah, actually, it does have quite a lot to lose. I mean, if they go out in group stages, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's the thing about. Well, there are two ways to look at this. First of all, if you could say that if Nagelsmann does not get at least something like a semifinal or at least a quarterfinal, something some semblance of performance out of this Germany team, don't you just have to say that this team is uncoachable? Because who else can do it if Flick failed and he won the treble and then Nagelsmann also failed and he's one of the best tacticians and the guy who succeeded Flick at Bayern. If he fails, then what is left? Who is left? Who else can you call? Yeah, that's true. I don't know if you saw the the Amazon documentary on the German yes. national team. Um, I heard about it. I don't have time to watch amazon documentaries at the moment okay okay no fair enough but it was quite interesting because you know uh they the players really you know when flick talked to them in qatar they it was almost like he talked to a, a wall you know the the players really seemed quite emotionless uh to put it kind of harshly um so is this group of players um you know uncoachable i don't know the german media has been very they've been you know trying to find out what's wrong and um, what was interesting was that German media said that, like in 2006, or was it before 2006? Uh, 2002, when like you know the the German kind of like DFB and German football had like a bit of a reroute uh, in terms of like the youth setup and all that stuff. They apparently put the youth setup in a quite um quite a, like a flat structure, so no hierarchy structure. And they've been debating whether this you know this way of setting up youth has resulted in a lack of leaders which i thought was quite quite interesting um so yeah yeah i don't know it's it's very fascinating because you know the old school germany you know the germany of the 1970s to you know 1990s basically only had winners and fighters and you know the effenberg and the likes oliver khan but now i feel like the german national team is kind of lacking these leaders which is quite interesting could nagisman maybe you know become a new leader i don't know but uh, it will be interesting to follow, for sure. That's an interesting question, because I was actually going to touch on this topic of leadership. And, you know, what's happened recently, the new leader of the national team is now Ilkay Gundogan. 
if you've seen the interviews from both Rudy Waller and Nagelsmann, they say that Gundogan is the guy and he's going to continue as the main captain of the German national team. I'm going to ask you your opinion on that because I don't like it, first of all, because in my opinion, the previous system where the person with the most caps gets the armband was perfectly satisfactory. And second, I think that this is going to cause some confusion when Manuel Neuer inevitably returns to the system. And secondly, I just don't think that it's a good idea to necessarily build this entire team around Gunnogan at this stage, even though I think he is a very good player. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, um, not sure if, uh, how much I can speak on Gundogan's abilities as a captain. He is self-spoken, right? He doesn't really seem to have those, you know, traditional leadership qualities. Uh, you know, the kind of the likes of Kimmich, I think, uh, often showcases. Uh, Kimmich often, you know, yells at teammates, at the, you know, at the referee, and he has, he has a very like he plays with, yeah, with, with his heart, right? But I do think something happened with Kimmich and the national team. Um, something happened closed doors because it was rather strange that uh, Kimmich was first the captain and then Gundogan took over. Maybe Gundogan is more of a diplomatic uh, choice for captain, uh, a guy that is well-liked by the team and you know can bring everyone together in a positive sense. Um, this Amazon documentary actually showed that there was a, a scene where Kimmich and Sule almost got in a fight and it was quite, it looked quite serious, you know, with Sule almost, uh, you know, he really looked like he could, uh, he was about to punch uh, Kimmich. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, I think something might have happened there actually behind closed doors. That's interesting actually because, well, it just feels like it's an interesting situation because up till this point, the captains of Germany, I would have said, were in order. They were going to be Manuel Neuer first, then Thomas Muller. He has the second most caps and then Kimmich. And I would say that aside from Neuer, Neuer is more of a soft-spoken kind of guy and goalkeepers being captain. They always, it's a bit different all the time. But other than that, I would have said those guys are pretty acceptable choices for captain. I'm not sure about Gundogan, but the first game that Gundogan has been captain, he has been pretty good or at least the team was pretty good. So you can't really argue with results, I guess. So Yeah, well, the, fir- the first game was Japan, and that was horrible. Yeah, and, and that uh, was horrible. And this next game was... <laughs> yeah. Was Gunuan captain against Japan, or was it... Kevin? He was, yeah. It was he was captain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so <laughs> it was mixed, I, can, I guess we can say. So I'm not really sure. Like, it seems a little bit weird to me that this is the direction that Germany is going. Do you think that... Nagelsmann style because we did talk about this we talked about this with Siler but like back then this was still just theoretical now it is a practical reality do you think that Germany under Nagelsmann will be tactically good enough to get the most out of the squad oh yeah for sure um I think I think like looking at all uh all the coaches in the Euros next year I think Nagisman is one of the one of the best ones, you know. I think, like yeah. in terms of tactics, I, like with the national teams. I mean, national football is so different from club football. There's so much else that has to um, go right uh, off the pitch as well. Tactics is maybe less important, but I think I think Germany does have a considerable uh, advantage there because the Nagisman is so proven, right? As a as a coach on a club level as well. 
Do you think it's going to be an advantage for him that he already coached Bayern Munich before? Or will the circumstances of him leaving Bayern Munich, maybe um, it, it could it be a problem for him? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I would love an Amazon documentary in the summer of 2024. I'm not sure. I think a bit uh, twofold, maybe. I think it's, I mean, I know he has a good relationship with Kimmich, for example. He has a good relationship with some of the Bayern players. But also, considering the circumstances he left, is there any bad blood there? I'm not sure. Um, but I, I mean, looking at it through a positive lens, I guess that the fact that he knows, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of many players could only be a positive thing. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a fair assessment. I think that like, for me, the circumstances that caused me to say that Julian Nagelsmann was the best choice to replace Hansi Flick back in 2020 when Flick left for the national team. I think none of that has changed. I think all those factors still apply to him, even after what happened at Bayern Munich, you know? I don't think that any of that has necessarily... It's not giving me any reason to doubt Nagelsmann's overall ability. I think that he just sort of just met his match when it comes to Bayern Munich. The question is... uh, The real question is, what is he going to do with Germany? Do you have some idea of that? I know that Seiler has his own specific ideas. Do you have anything new to add? Um... Like through uh, like a tactical tactical sense. perspective, because yeah, we can't yeah. really we can't really say like can you give me an idea of what you expect Nagelsmann's Germany to look like in a general sense? Well, I think definitely that he will try three in the back. Actually, um, yeah, oh my god! Considering that oh you know god. Germany are a bit, they don't really have those uh, class uh, wing backs. So I think he, he can maybe try three in the back. Um, no, but it will be interesting though. I'm actually not too sure about it. It could be a classic, you know, four three three or four two three one. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does try try three in the back. I'm gonna say that possibly what I expect is that maybe Germany's, or at least I hope for this, the Germany's fullback situation will get better because if you recall, um, under what should I say under Nagelsmann. The most recent German fullbacks had their best seasons. Guys like David Raum and um, even before that, Nico Schultz. They were actually, they actually looked like world beaters. And that's why uh, in the end, their current clubs decided to get them. So maybe that's what's going to happen with Germany and these guys. But I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not really sure necessarily what to expect, but I think that it should go well. I don't know. As I've said throughout the year, I don't think that there is anything fundamentally wrong with Germany, and therefore there should not be anything wrong with the Nagelsmann-led Germany. What do you think mm-hmm. of the idea of someone else taking over after the Euros? Do you think it's a good idea for Nagelsmann to get such a short contract? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think he would. I don't think Nagelsmann really would want to be the coach after the Euros. To be honest with you. I, I, he's very young. Obviously, I think he wants to um, use the uh, Euros as like a next step for his club career. So I think definitely after the Euros, no matter what happens to Germany in the tournament, I think uh, someone else will will become the new coach. Uh, I don't think that will be Klopp though, because uh, the recent statements I've seen from Klopp, he's, he, I mean, he seems very happy and uh, content in on the Mercy side. Um, but yeah, who else could it be? I'm not sure. Maybe um, 
Google. Google. We've said this before. And then Bayern Munich again pays the difference because we've established a precedent at this point. It's yeah. a bit ridiculous. I, I, I'm not actually sure about the idea of this being a short-term appointment. I think that's partially a mistake because it means that in some ways, any player that doesn't like Nagelsmann can kind of wait it out and not necessarily show their potential in his setup. You know, um, I would have preferred if Germany had done the had gone the route of giving Nagelsmann a longer, at least a three-year contract up till the next World Cup. But instead, they've done this, which I just think it kind of hints at a, a certain lack of confidence. You know, from both Nagelsmann's end and Germany's end. Therefore. That's where you're getting a certain lack of commitment as well from both both the parties. It feels like this is going to end up being something that ends up being revisited in earnest. It obviously has to be, but it's not going to be revisited in good circumstances, you know? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think like in, I I do see it maybe more positively because um, I really don't, I mean, like even... Let's say Germany wins the Euros and Nagisman, you know, obviously is the mastermind behind that. I really don't think he would even want to continue. I, as I said, I think he has sights on, you know, a club job, right? Being a, a national team coach is very different from being a club coach. And you can not fall into oblivion, but like you work less. Um, uh, and obviously there's only twice a year. There's, you know, a really big tournament to actually show yourself. So I think... I think Nagelsmann would uh, definitely want to, yeah, coach a club next after Germany. And as a short-term solution, I think you know this could be a good. This this could be actually quite good. Um, but yeah, it's up to up to debate after twenty twenty four to see if I'm right. <laughs> I'm probably wrong. They they might lose in the group stages, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's that is the absolute nightmare scenario, isn't it? Um, if Nagelsmann fails with Germany. This is again theoretical. What would you have to say about Germany? What would be the next step? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the next step would really be then. I mean, if this German team fails in the Euros 2024, that's it from Neuer. I think. I think that's it from the likes of Müller. You know, all those old leaders that have brought so much success for Germany uh, in the past. I think that would this will be the last rodeo. And if Germany fails in the Euros, I think they really have to, yeah, long-term review their, you know, youth strategy. I think they have to really shake up the team, right, and let players who are, you know, above, uh, uh, below 22 years old uh, try, uh, you know, really bring in Florian Bertz, really bring in Musiala, yeah, review whether, yeah, players like, I guess, like Sane, Gnabry, Brandt, if they all, like, or can can they still bring something to the table? Because yeah, I mean, it is a worst case scenario, but they really have to have to look themselves in the mirror if they if they fail in now in the Euros for sure. I think uh, the players too, because I think then it's like fair enough. No, if if the team loses in the group stages, for example, in the Euros, or then I think they are kind of like uncoachable and they have to bring in new new personnel, new players. What do you think? Yeah, I, I it's hard for me because. In my opinion, these are like the players themselves, they seem to play well for their clubs. So it cannot necessarily be just the players, right? There has to be something wrong in the national team setup that is causing all these issues. Like if if they were to fail. And if that 
problem is not the coach. If these problems can persist with multiple coaches, then what else can change? What else can you realistically change? Right. That is the only question left. And at that point, we just have to sit down and say, uh, we have to put our hands up and say, yeah, this this team is done for. It's nothing, nothing else is going to happen. No, no, exactly. Um, no, very interesting. But I, I, I do think we won't have this talk during the Euros. I don't uh, necessarily think that Germany uh, will win it or they're, they're not favorites to win it now. But I do think rock bottom was losing to 4-1 at home against Japan. I think yeah, it can only yeah, go up now. <laughs> yeah, it can only go up from there. Of course, this could be a case of famous last words. You never know. Like Germany have done so many things that it would not surprise me at this point. You know, I, I thought that World Cup 2018 was genuinely rock bottom. And since then, they've just gone to new new lows since then, which is it's just the story of Germany lately. It's It's very weird. I think... Honestly, I think that's pretty much it. Did you have anything else you wanted to discuss about Germany or this specific um, issue? No, I think we covered it. We've been talking for a good hour now. Uh, I think we covered it all. We'll be uh, looking forward to Leipzig now against Bayern. Uh, we also we have a DFB Pokal game in the middle of that. I forgot who we were okay, facing. Right. Oh, yeah. I guess Preussen Münster, right? Yeah, let me just check. Oh, yeah, we do have against them. And it's interesting. I, I don't know if I've said this to anyone but i was in my posting for um what's it called essentially this is like an urban health center posting and there were some transfer students from germany who were essentially there to gain some experience and there was a fan there from munster so i might have a conversation with them i we exchanged numbers we had a nice talk he's a dortmund fan though uh he did uh, not he was not happy to find out that i was a Bayern fan but no. yeah we might have to have a conversation about that with him Munster, what do you know about Preussen Munster? Do you know anything? Do I know about Preussen Munster? I don't know much. Huh? Uh, it's it's one of those cities that like you never. It's three. I'm looking now up uh, Munster on uh, Wikipedia, and it actually has three hundred thousand people living in Munster, wow. which is that's a lot. It's I mean, quite a lot, no? Uh, yeah. but, like their team has never been good at all. I think. Could maybe, at least like, it's a team I've heard of, which is more than you can say about a lot of teams in the DFB Pokal at this stage. <laughs> that's true that's true do you want the... do you oh, have yeah, any but... names you want to see and new names you want to see in the lineup against Munster against Munster uh, that's a good question um, I would love if um, Katzig is it the, the Katzig guy who... yeah Katzig, Katzig sorry uh, I thought he did quite well actually against Bochum yeah. um, uh, so I think that would, that'd be cool if he could play um... him and maybe Matty Tell Tell is probably yes. due a start yes yes yes, yes. no that would be it would be kind of, I mean, would be kind of mean from Tuchel if it didn't give us a yeah. start to Matthew now. I think he's done so well coming off the bench, and obviously it's it's a different ball game to play the full ninety minutes, but he, he's definitely deserved a start for sure. Yep, I think I think we have legitimately covered everything now. So um, okay. our overall summary of this podcast is that Tuchel, we are not impressed with him, but you think he should be given more time. I think he should be sacked. Nagelsmann, we both think that it should be fine. He should do well. And if he doesn't, team is uncoachable. Germany, as we were talking about. And third thing, against Preussen Munster, we just want to see some of the youngsters get a chance. And other than that, we don't really have much of an opinion on them. Because why would we? 
No, and that's a shit. We, we should we should both uh, read up on uh, the mighty Preussian minister. That's yes. Uh, I will. Right. Yes, <laughs> I, you do that. I am currently posted in an emergency room, so I'm not. I do not have the time. <laughs> the fact Fair that enough. I can watch any games at all is honestly a miracle. At some point, but uh, let's. We will see you again. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. We will see you again when we do the post game review of the post post game, which will hopefully be a win. Because if it isn't. And God help Thomas Tupo, my God. But <laughs> hopefully it will be a win. And this was I Need No Name and Marcus talking about Bayern Munich and Germany. Thank you for listening to us. Please, you can find us on any podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever. Uh, please check us out on Twitter at Bavarian FBWords and check out our blog where we have our coverage of every single Bayern Munich and Germany game. Thank you for listening and good night.